What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 6. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Dark Paranormal, Season 6. I hope you all didn't miss the show too much during the downtime between seasons, but I can guarantee the wait will be worth it. As you'll know, To keep things fresh on the show, what we like to do is alternate our seasons between true listener paranormal experiences and looking at some of the more famous paranormal experiences that have been documented throughout history. Of course, in Season 5, we discussed some of your true terrifying experiences, which means from today, the premiere episode of Season 6, we will once again take a look at some of the more famous paranormal experiences, delivered, of course, in the style of the dark paranormal. All of this season's cases have been suggested by you, the listener. This is, after all, your show. And I will say you've chosen a bone-chilling collection of entries. Even if you think you're familiar with the stories we will cover in Season 6, I can guarantee there will still be things that you've not heard. Even I thought myself quite familiar with some of the cases that we'll cover, but there were occasions during my research where I was still left mouth open and absolutely terrified. Again, in each of these cases, there are times when a very mundane explanation may well be the case, and of course we'll mention those when they arise. But at the start of a new season, I do like to remind people why this show exists. And that's to deliver to you a true, paranormal, terrifying experience. It's why we ask you to suspend your disbelief at the start of each episode. So that you can relive that fear, excitement and wonder that you had when you first were introduced to the paranormal. 
to give you a safe space once a week where you can pop your headphones in, close your eyes, and feel that shiver down the spine as you know these things, these dark paranormal things, truly exist. Today's premiere show features a family who were under attack from demonic forces for over a decade and features some of the most horrific experiences we've ever covered on the show. But before we get to today's true paranormal experience, I need to say a quick thank you to our Patreons. Our Patreons not only receive this premiere before everyone else, they also get each episode early and ad-free. They also get a weekly Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites, each and every week. New Patreons will have access to the entire back catalogue of Dark Bites episodes. Which means, of course, in the break we've just had between seasons, our Patreons still received a weekly show. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal believers over on our Patreon team, and we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation to you. So why not treat yourself and, for the cost of a cup of coffee each month, gain access to all of that extra content just for you? Head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal just like these wonderful new Patreons have. Karen Brett, Laquita Mitchell, Roxanne Small, Elizabeth Birchman, Zoya Gulam, Lane Lynn, Lynn Bailey, Heather Harpatroge, Lauren Anderson, Scott Tortolot, Beth Smith, Dina Rowe, Kel Deville, Amy Campion, Maya Adams, Joel Sutter, Corey Walker, Travis Stevens, Caitlin Westall and Genesis Gaming. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free releases and, of course the entire back catalogue of Dark Bites episodes. So remember to join our team of paranormal believers. Head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. So without any further ado, and I've been so excited to say this once again, but lower the lights, make yourself comfortable and leave your disbelief at the door as we take a look at the Smurl family haunting. By the 6th of July, 1972, Hurricane Agnes had swept along the east coast of the United States, leaving billions of dollars in damage, and over a hundred people dead. The deadly storm turned lives upside down and caused widespread damage to property across the area. Some people came out of the storm completely unscathed. Sadly, this was not the case for the Smurl family who awoke one morning to find that the storm had hit the town of Wilkes Bar and flooded their family home, leaving it water-damaged beyond repair and uninhabitable. This rendered Jack Smurl, his wife Janet, their two daughters Dawn and Heather, and Jack's own mum and dad, John and Mary, all technically homeless. Wanting to continue living with his son and his grandchildren, and having some cash tucked away, John took Jack to view a double-block duplex in the town of West Pitson, Pennsylvania. As they turned onto Chase Street, Jack kept his eyes peeled for number 330. "'I think you'll like this, son,' said John. "'Your mum and I will have one side, and you can take the other. "'Think of it kind of like a big hotel,' he smiled. 
Jack was just grateful his father had stepped up to the plate and saved the day by resolving their living situation. Dad, thanks for doing this. I just want you to know that obviously we'll we'll pay a full rent, we'll settle all the bills and you won't be out of pocket. John nodded at his son. In truth, he was glad to hear this as the place had devastated his savings. So as morally grey as it may be to charge your own son rent, in this instance, it was essential. They pulled up outside the double-block duplex. There she is, said John, shutting off the engine. Wow, she's huge and old, replied Jack. 1890s, I believe, son. Now, listen, this should be an expensive house, but we actually got it for a steal. Houses round here go for much, much more. So be prepared, there will be a fair bit of work to do, especially on your side of the building, so we can get her in ship shape, you know. Jack nodded in reply. He wasn't afraid of getting his hands dirty and was actually looking forward to the project. A week later and it was all hands on deck for the Smurl family. The girls were busy sorting out their room and Jack and Janet were in the living room, unfurling long dust sheets over the settee. I really like it here, said Janet, as she tucked her side under the wheels of the couch. I think the girls do too. Once we sort things out like that, she nodded towards a dark red patch on the wall. Well, this place will start to look great. Jack nodded. Well, if you're volunteering to paint, the brushes are in the kitchen, he joked. But Janet was more than happy to start with the painting, whilst Jack replaced the skirting boards in the main bedroom. As Jack made his way up the stairs with his hammer and chisel, he was accosted by Dawn, his daughter, who came up to him, holding her nose in disgust. Dad, shout to Heather. She stinks, she moaned. Jack smiled, placed his hammer and chisel against the wall, and went into the girls' room. He nearly fell back. The smell was stomach-churning. Heather was sat on her bed, also holding her nose. It's not me, Dad, honestly. Jack recognised the smell from his time as a youngster, playing with friends. Occasionally, they would happen upon this smell by a field or down an alleyway. And the cause, always, was a dead animal. He shooed the girls out of the room and opened the window to let in some fresh air. He checked under the bed and scoured every area of the room, but nothing was to be found. Five minutes of fresh air later, the smell had completely dissipated from the room. It's fine now, girls. Must have been something from outside, he shouted. The girls, still holding their noses, entered the room and tentatively began breathing through their mouths. Jack laughed to himself and walked back to the hall to pick up his hammer and the chisel had gone. Girls, did either of you take that chisel that was just here? No, came a reply in unison. Jack scratched his head and looked up and down the landing, replaying his movements in his mind. Then the atmosphere changed. He couldn't quite put his finger on it, but he felt like he was under attack like things were looking at him like something was running up right behind him right now 
The doorbell sounded and snapped Jack out of his thoughts as he spun around to an empty landing. Oh, finally, he thought. It'll be the new bathroom suite I've ordered. The old one was stained and falling apart, and so together they'd pick this new white porcelain set. He explained to the crew where the bathroom was, and explained he'd paid extra to have the old one removed. Giving the guys some space upstairs, Jack went into the living room to see how Janet was getting on. What you think? said Janet, pointing where the red stain had been, which was now a shiny wet magnolia colour. That looks great, love, agreed Jack, going over and hugging his wife from behind. A few hours later, the bathroom contractors were done and heading back out to their van. Excuse me, said the last guy to leave. This was down the toilet. I don't know if you want to keep it or not. Jack's face didn't hide the confusion he felt as he reached out and took the chisel from the worker. Uh, yeah, that's mine, thanks. Jack stood in the hall, staring at the chisel. How could it have... Oh, no! Came a cry from the living room. Heading in, a dejected Janet was pointing at the wall. The magnolia paint hadn't even dried yet, but slowly protruding through was the deep red stain, appearing almost waxy with the shimmer of the new coat of paint thinly covering it. It'll just take another coat or two, that's all, said Jack, trying to not be too concerned that the stain seemed to be growing darker in front of his own eyes. I think we've all worked our socks off today, said Jack, rubbing Janet's arm. I'm going to take us all out for a nice meal. Come on, get the kids ready and I'll tell mum and dad. Okay, let me just get another coat of paint on this, said Janet. And once the mark was once again covered, Janet showered for the evening meal. That evening, they all enjoyed a nice meal in a local steakhouse. However, the day's work had clearly took its toll on them, and shortly after dessert, a series of yawning made its way around the table. Jack settled up the bill, and they all headed back to the Chase Street house. It'll take some getting used to pulling up here and calling it home, said Janet as they pulled up to the house. Jack was about to agree, but the man knocking angrily at their front door distracted him. Can I help you? said Jack, walking up the path towards the man. You can if you know who's moved in here, said the man aggressively. Well, that would be me. What's the problem? The man looked confused, glanced back at the house and then back to Jack. And who's in there right now? No one. Not on either side. We live in the right-hand building and my parents... Jack nodded towards his mum and dad who'd just walked through the path. They live on the left. What seems to be the problem? The man now looked absolutely bewildered. He put one hand on his hip and rubbed his mouth with the other. Well, he began. His demeanour changed from anger to confusion. Well, I live next door and, well, well, there's been shouting coming from your side of the house. Jack frowned, shouting. Well, muttered the neighbour, screaming really. Sounded like someone was being murdered. Jack coughed a laugh in almost disbelief. Well, we're all present and accounted for here, but thanks for looking out for us. Jack slapped his neighbour's arm.
He's a bit intense, isn't he? said Janet, removing her jacket and heading upstairs. Yeah, I guess it's nice to have... Oh, what the... Jack had entered the living room and looked on in dismay as the red stain had formed once again, forcing its way through to the surface. What the fuck is it? He muttered to himself, touching the stain. It was bone dry. He couldn't... Jack! Janet screamed from upstairs. Jack ran up the stairs two at a time. What's wrong? He shouted back, bursting into the bathroom where the scream had come from. What is it? He panted, out of breath. Janet was running her hands around the sink. Look at that. Jack moved to the sink. He couldn't believe what he was looking at. There were three deep claw marks within the porcelain of the sink. What could claw through porcelain? This was no factory mistake. He'd used the sink to get ready before they went for the meal. This had taken place whilst they were out. Whilst the neighbour had heard screaming pouring out of the house. Although all of these instances would be enough to send most families packing, given the unique convenience of the building, being able to house both the Smells and Jack's parents, combined with the fact the house was paid for, the Smell family managed to shut out the ongoing minor paranormal activity in the home. Items would still go missing, electrical appliances would stop working, or turn on without being plugged in, or even, on one occasion, go on fire. However, the smells managed to see these things as nothing more than minor rational annoyances and continue to move forward in their Chase Street home. From a family perspective, things actually started to look up. Jack was promoted within the warehouse position he held, and Janet had become a key player in the charitable organisations of the local high school. Both daughters, Dawn and Heather, were also receiving excellent school grades, and, the icing on the cake of this new upwards trajectory, Janet fell pregnant and gave birth to two healthy twin girls, which they named Sharon and Corinne. And for a good few years, this new family of six started to flourish in the community. But in 1985, that previous slightly annoying and rational presence decided it was time to show the smells what it was truly capable of doing. Jack was sat in the local hospital. He'd been here since 3am and it was now 11am. He'd had no sleep, nothing to eat. His father had hammered on the front door around 2 o'clock saying that Mary, Jack's mother, had collapsed on the way back from the bathroom and now he was sat in a waiting room waiting for his father to come back with a report on her condition. He pulled out a piece of paper from his pocket and stared at it. Payment overdue. This was the electricity bill but there were many others with the same red lettering across the top. Turns out raising four kids was an expensive business and financially, Jack was drowning. His father, John, walked into the room and Jack hastily folded and pocketed the paper. How is she, Dad? John smiled and gripped his son's hands. They think she'll be fine, but she needs to take it easy, you know, bed rest and lots of it. 
Well, at least that's some good news, said Jack. The emphasis of the word some was not lost on his father, who asked Jack if anything was wrong. No, no, ignore me, Jack said with a smile. Is she going to be okay? Asked Corinne from the kitchen table whilst Janet washed some dishes. I think so, love. She'll be home soon with your dad and granddad, and then we... There came a deep scratching sound from above their heads, as if a large talon was scraping across either the ceiling or the floor above. They both stopped and stared upwards. Is Sharon upstairs? asked Janet. Corinne just shrugged. Sharon? shouted Janet. Sharon! Janet jumped and turned around to see Sharon knocking on the kitchen window. What? she shouted through the glass. Nothing, honey, I thought you were upstairs, replied Janet. Corinne looked scared now, and Janet could tell. Deciding to act confident in front of her daughter, she dried her hand with a tea towel and said, Right, I'll go and see what that was. There's nothing to be afraid of in our own house, you know. Corinne followed her mother as far as the living room door. Be careful, mummy, said Corinne as she watched on. Don't be silly. You go back in and watch TV. Corinne turned and headed back to the living room. Janet continued and walked up the stairs, but she walked into something. Something physically stopped her from passing, but there was nothing there. She paused and was about to re-attempt passing it when something moved in her peripheral vision. Suddenly, everything happened in slow motion. She watched as Corinne walked from the living room to the kitchen as directly above her, the entire unit of the ceiling fan unscrewed itself and fell towards her young child's fragile skull. Janet screamed, causing just enough of a distraction for Karen to move a hair's breadth to the left. The falling fan skimmed Corinne's face, but one of the blades caught her leg, cutting it wide open. She yelled out in pain, holding her leg. Janet ran into the kitchen, grabbing a towel and running it under the cold tap. As she did so, again something in her periphery caught her attention, and it was a black, dense mass. Not so much a darkness, more an absence of light, and it was forming the shape of a person. She started to stare, transfixed. Corinne's scream of pain and agony snapped her out of it and made her look away. She glanced back as she headed to help Corinne, but the black figure was gone. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And is she all right now, like? Jack had just returned with his mother and father, and Janet was telling him all about that day's terrifying events. She seems okay. But Jack, this place, it's not right. In his heart, Jack knew it too. But he also knew they were barely scraping by here. On a reduced rent also, thanks to his dad. There was no way they could move. It'll be okay, I promise. False promises. That was the most he had to offer right now. Jack went in to see Mary and asked how she was getting on. I'm okay, love, she replied. What happened to Corinne's leg? Janet regaled her version of events and then asked, Have have you ever experienced anything here? Like paranormal stuff? Mary pulled a comical face. No, because it doesn't exist. She laughed. Slightly riled, Janet replied, Say that to the black figure I've just seen standing in the kitchen then. Mary's smile dropped somewhat and Janet immediately regained her senses and remembered she was basically shouting at a woman who just had a heart attack. God, I'm sorry, Mary. It's just been a horrible day. Really? Oh, mine's been fine, Mary joked, bringing some levity back to the conversation. The next day, after sending the kids to school, both Janet and Jack were in no mood to talk. Both with their individual worries going on, they mindlessly carried out general housework with talk radio on quietly in the background. Someone's keen, said Jack to Janet as he went to the door. Opening it, a rather angry-looking John barged straight past him. Listen, son, I know you've got stuff going on at the minute, but your mother's just had a heart attack, so kindly keep your thoughts and bad words about her to yourself. John was raging, red-faced, as if ready to punch his own son. Jack was taken aback, bewildered. Dad, I've no idea what you're on about. Don't lie to me, and you, he pointed a jabbing finger towards Janet. You should be ashamed of yourself wishing that woman dead, after all we've done for you lot. John, began Janet, seriously, we have no idea what you think we've said, but I promise you, we heard it, Janet. Just stop it, the pair of you. And with that, John walked out and slammed the door. What the hell was that about? said a totally stunned Jack. No idea, I'm totally lost, replied Janet. That evening, John was out with friends and Janet was upstairs. The walls of the house were generally thick and good at insulating sound. But right now, she could hear talking. She put down the sheet she was folding and walked over to the wall, leaning her ear towards the cold plaster. Janet's a good-for-nothing bitch. One horrible, worthless, conniving bitch. Janet stood back in shock. That was Mary's voice. She'd know it anywhere. She leant back in. Someone needs to teach that bitch a lesson, horrible cow. Janet seethed. She threw down the towel and walked over to Jack's parents' door. John opened the door a few inches. What do you want? I've just heard what Mary's been saying about me, and sick or not, 
I won't have anyone talk like that about me. John took the lock off the door and opened it wider. He stretched out his arm to show Mary fast asleep on the living room couch. She's been asleep for hours, said John. Listen, Janet. His voice seemed more concerned now. Mary said you've been seeing things. Are you sleeping okay? Janet nodded, but a new terrifying thought crossed her mind. John, have you experienced anything weird here? John shook his head, though Janet wasn't convinced. Don't you find it a bit weird that in the last few days we've both heard each other's voices cursing the other, yet it wasn't us? Well, you say it wasn't you, John quickly replied. John, for Christ's sake. Fine, forget it. Janet walked back across the hallway and John closed the door. The noise woke Mary from her slumber. Who was that? No one, love. Maybe you should go to bed, said John. Mary nodded and slowly made her way to the bedroom. Already in her pyjamas, she'd done her best to stay in her sleepy state and slowly slid under the bedsheets. She was about to close her eyes when something started moving in the corner of the room. Confused, she tried to make it out. It wasn't necessarily dark. It was more like an absence of light. And to her abject horror, seemed to be forming the shape of a man. It could have been the TV or anything, said Jack as he climbed into bed next to Janet. No, it was your mother's voice, bad-mouthing me. I can't explain it. Can we just try and get some sleep, please? I'm sick of all this weird stuff. I've got enough going on, said Jack, turning to his side with a sigh. Janet stared up at the ceiling, letting the day's thoughts go through her head. As she was midway through one particular thought she noticed it appeared that the ceiling details were getting bigger. She blinked several times, but still, everything seemed to be getting bigger. Then it dawned on her what was happening. Things were getting closer, not bigger. She turned her head and true enough, she was being lifted about four feet off the bed. She tried to shout, but something gripped her throat. Then her legs dropped from the horizontal position, leaving her hanging by the thing round her neck. Her toes scrambled for the bedding, but before she could get a firm grip, she was launched from the bed, across the room and straight into the adjacent wall. This finally awoken Jack, who helped the dazed and confused Janet up from the floor. She was shaking, hysterical, trying through tears and panicked breath to explain what had just taken place. Jack, however, didn't totally believe it. Sure, he accepted it and agreed how horrid it all sounded. But in truth, he thought she'd sleptwalked and fell, and it was that simple. The next morning, Janet was covered in bruises and what looked like a human bite mark. Mary was downstairs having just popped over for tea. Janet covered herself up and made her way downstairs. Are you okay, Janet? asked Mary. Fine, thanks, Mary. Janet said with a forced smile. Are you? Mary nodded, but Janet could tell there was something different in Mary's face. She'd experienced something too. Not that she'd ever admit it though. 
When Mary left, Jack looked bothered. Mum was being really weird then. Kept asking about ghosts and stuff. Not like her at all. Oh, right, replied Janet. This convinced her. Mary had definitely seen something. Listen, Jack. I know you don't believe what happened to me last night and that's fine. I get it. I do. But I need you to do something for me. Sure, anything, replied Jack. Janet took a deep breath. Okay, I've found the details of two people who can help with this sort of thing. Mr and Mrs Warren. And I want them to come round and look at the place. Jack sighed and pulled a face. Christ, can I at least think about it? he muttered. Janet just nodded. She didn't really care what his response was. She'd already called and arranged for them to arrive the day after tomorrow. That night, Jack stayed up after everyone went to sleep. Drinking a few beers and enjoying the warmth of the fire, he soon fell asleep. He woke around 3am, rubbed his eyes and... The lights turned off. The TV turned itself off. The only light coming was from the fireplace. Even he had to admit it, this was pretty scary. But come on, he thought, leaning forward to stand, but his feet didn't move. Something was gripping his ankles from underneath the couch. Panicking, he tried to fight it but fell, hitting the floor. Something forced him over onto his stomach. A pair of naked, dirty female feet appeared in front of his head. He jarred his neck to look up, and there was a white-haired old lady grinning down at him. Her eyes bloodshot red, and her toothless mouth bared the yellowest of gums as she tilted her head back and forth. Jack glanced around for help, and when he looked back, she was gone. But suddenly, a further weight was added to his back. Over the next few minutes... Jack Smell claims he was subjected to a supernatural sexual assault. Ed and Lorraine Warren entered the living room of the Smell family. Janet offered them a seat and sat on the arm of the chair Jack was sitting in. Ed cleared his throat and began to speak. The old guy who answered the door didn't look too impressed, he joked. That's my dad, John, replied Jack. Him and my mother Mary don't really believe any of this. He rubbed Janet's hand. They haven't been through what we have. The living room door slowly opened and Mary made her way into the room. She stood against the wall. Please, don't let me interrupt, she said. Her face looked serious. Her scarf fell from her shoulders and she quickly grabbed at it and held it against her neck not before Janet noticed the bruises and a human bite mark on her shoulder. It had got to her too. Lorraine took a walk through the smell's residence by herself and returned to a room full of expectant faces. Lorraine was shaking as she sat and nestled closer to Ed, whispering in his ear. She finally looked up and spoke. There are four entities here. She took a sip of water to try and steady herself. One is a man who was hung by a mob out there in the yard. She nodded towards the window. He murdered his wife and her lover right here. 
there are two women here too. One young, one old. One very angry and one confused, but I can't tell which. But the fourth entity is your real problem. The fourth has power over the other three, and it's telling them to attack you. And what's the fourth entity? Mary piped up from the wall, rubbing her shoulder. Lorraine glanced sheepishly at Ed. The fourth has never been alive. It's a demon. It's existed for thousands of years, and we've no idea why it's in your home. That's the black mass that you've all witnessed. Janet and Jack looked at each other, speechless. Ed interjected. You're Catholic, right? Jack nodded. Good. We have a Vatican-mandated exorcist who's a good friend, Father McKenna. We'll speak to him, explain exactly what's going on. We'll do all we can to help. Ed and Lorraine stood from the couch. We'll be in touch. They shook hands with the smells and made their way outside. Reports are sketchy on what happened next. We do know Father McKenna attempted two exorcisms, neither of which seemed to have an effect. The Catholic Church were reticent to attempt a third exorcism after the case made the local newspapers. Not wanting to look part of a media circus, it took great pleading from the Warrens and Father McKenna for the third exorcism to take place. But finally it was allowed, and Father McKenna brought two extra priests with him to ensure the entities were driven out. After the third exorcism, all seemed well. Months passed, and the smells felt like life was getting back to normal. One summer's evening, Jack was drinking a beer and talking to a friend on the phone, explaining all the trials and tribulations they'd been through, and how, finally, things were looking... The room suddenly felt oppressive, Jack stopped listening to his friend and hung up the phone. He wasn't sure. Maybe it was his vision. But the centre of the room seemed out of focus. He blinked hard. No. No. Something was forming. A darkness. Well, more like an absence of light. Ed had feared this. He knew this entity would be the hardest one to remove. He sat back on the smell settee. This demon, Ed began, as strange as this sounds, I think this thing has been moving between the two houses as the exorcisms have taken place. They like to hide and this one's as old and as devious as they come. Lorraine agreed. It seems that each of the previous three exorcisms have taken out one of the spirits at a time leaving the most powerful one behind, she concluded. The Warrens explained to the Smells that one final exorcism, covering both properties, was required. And so Father McKenna and two aides arrived the following evening and carried out the ritual of exorcism one final time. This final act apparently rid the Smells of their infestation once and for all and their remaining time at the Chase Street property was peaceful up until the day they moved out in 1987, after over a decade of torment. 
It's been said that perhaps some of the activity was a hallucination. Jack did require an operation in the midst of the haunting to remove water from the brain. However, that doesn't account for the visual and physical phenomena experienced by the rest of the Smell family. Of course, any case that involves Ed and Lorraine Warren will always be held up for scrutiny, given their clamour for press and popularity. But we need to always remember that there is a genesis point to these experiences, one that happens long before the Warrens are even aware of the case. Therefore, we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and let their inclusion in a case overshadow what could well be a terrifying true case of the dark paranormal. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me here for the premiere of Season 6. All of your suggestions regarding topics for Season 6 have been taken on board and I can guarantee we still have a good few surprises up our sleeve. So if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so when the episodes drop, you'll know immediately. I can't wait to speak to you next week for a very special episode 2 of Season 6. And until then, remember... When discussing the paranormal, always try and leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time on The Dark Paranormal. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.